This week's show brought to you by Strike Kings, Kings of Bass TV. Tune in to Season 3 of KOB TV on the Kings of Bass YouTube channel and check out Episode number 4 as Greg Hackney is back for a brisk start in the 2022 season on the Bassmaster Elite Series Trail on the St. John's River down in Florida. Meanwhile, Mark Zona is in his element in studio with Bassmaster before hitting the water for some fun of his own on the KVD 300 jerkbait. Make sure to click the subscribe button and leave a comment on the video to be eligible to win a new Team Lose Greg Hackney Signature Series 7.6 Pitching Rod and a Lose Super Duty Bait Cast Reel, both valued at $199 each along with an assortment of striking baits and more. Welcome to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Welcome, folks, to this, to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast brought to you by Ranger Boats. Uh, I believe CB says powered by Mercury Marine and shot to life by Reliant Lithium Batteries. Uh, again, if you're wondering if this is someone else, if someone's hijacked the show, yes, it's the circus that has hijacked the show. Technically, we didn't hijack it. Uh, it it kind of got thrown at us at, at the very last second. Yeah, we're going to throw CB under the bus here, but... Uh, yeah, so it's the it's the circus that's running the show. So it's DX here, and I got AC Insider Kenneth Grover. Kenneth, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, well, look, if he's going to invite us to do it, we might as well just do it, right? <laughs> you, you can't expect professionalism or, or very uh, not that we not that we're of high quality, but great quality when it comes to us because you know normally you know this is CB's thing, and you know you know CB's got a, his you know unique quirks that how he likes to do things. So, but hey, he, you know he he said. He he wanted the the backup crew to 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 run the show, so I guess this is what he gets. <laughs> you know, it almost makes me wonder: does he do it on purpose? Is he trying to trying to see if we can swim, or if we're going to sink, or you know? Uh, I wear my PFD on the boat, but I'm not sure about this podcast thing. <laughs> well, well, good thing for you because it was ABT's all done for you guys. So you ain't got to worry about him like uh, sabotaging you in some way while you guys are out on the uh, was it on the water no, or whatever. No, so. We still have one more. Do one hundred A- ABT one hundred on Pickwick in November. Ah, okay. I figured with I, you know because it's those are what three three a year. So I thought you guys were for some reason were done. So all right. Well, maybe by then he'll he'll have you know as CB gets older, maybe his memory gets a bit more shot up. So maybe he won't remember this <laughs> how messed up this particular podcast episode is, and and and, and you'll be safe at that last event there. <laughs> No, in 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 all reality, CB it sounds like maybe CB's got a little cold going on. And I think yeah. maybe he he didn't want to get on and start hacking or whatever. It's, that's what I'm guessing. But uh, we were around one or two people this past weekend that uh, that had the crud. So I'm wondering if maybe uh, he just spent a little too much time with with one of those certain people. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's something severe, and definitely get well wishes to CB. That um, again, I know CB is always a very busy guy, always on the go. So. Um, definitely a uh, speedy recovery to CB. Um, I know that uh, we got a quick note that, uh, you know, our blonde girl behind the scenes, Michelle Eichstead, has uh, 
a family member that's dealing with a medical procedure. So definitely a speedy recovery and well wishes to her and her family as well. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess, you know, you know, what, what, how did your weekend go? Because I mean, you spent two days, did you spend both days? Yeah, you spent both days oh, yeah. this past week on Jordan uh, wrapping up or doing the final ABT, the ABT uh, championship this past weekend. Yep, uh, Alpine Bass Trail, uh, for those that may not know, we, uh, Chris and I are involved in the Alpine Bass Trail. We do um, live coverage. We're also filming for TV. Uh, we live stream the the weigh-ins and all that. So it keeps us pretty busy. Championship, championship's a two-day deal. All the other events are one day. So it was a Friday, Saturday. Um, great payout. These are teams that uh, she has a North Division and a South Division. So teams qualify from, from both divisions. And they're fishing for $50,000 cash first place. And a, as we typically see, it is a it, it, it is a difference maker to these guys when they win. And we saw that again this weekend. Uh, typically, ABT events, again, obviously this is a championship, but t- ABT events are single day events. But with this being a two day event, um, how do I guess for you, especially uh, on, on the uh, coverage side, do you go into any different with uh, how you approach this event or preparing yourself, especially especially with it being a, a two day event of, uh, you know, just watching coverage and and trying to uh, make these uh, seeing what these anglers are trying to do in the water? It, it, for day two, it actually makes it an advantage. So, th- okay. so day one, day one is we just kind of treat it like we typically do. You know, we take off in the morning. We have no idea what's going to happen. We try to uh, cover enough teams or cover enough uh, of the lake to get enough of the patterns to get an idea of of what's working for guys. Uh, when we hope that we get enough coverage that when we find out at the end of the day who wins, that you know we've kind of told that story um, either on live or we've done enough. Uh, got enough footage where we can tell that story on, on the TV show. Two-day event, we know day one's, uh, obviously, we did do live, uh, but but for a TV show, very little of it's actually day one, just because you can only cram so much time into a 30-minute show. But um, that what, what I was really looking for, um, the, the weights on this in this lake were were lower than than what most people were expecting. It's certainly lower mm-hmm. than what we've seen in the past. But okay. this is also the first time we've been there this time of year. Usually when we fish Jordan, it's it's in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And it has taken uh I think the lowest weight to win an ABT was 18 something, and the highest was a little over 22 pounds. Okay. So um 13 <clears throat> something was winning at day one. That's what was leading day one. Okay. But once you got to 11, 11 and a half or so from there down, they was really stacked in tight. So okay. uh, I, I felt, and even seeing, seeing a lot of the patterns, I felt that this was one that, that someone could come back, uh, you know, down in the pack a little ways and win this tournament. We saw that last year on Smith Lake. I think the team that won the tournament was actually in 13th place after day one. So going out day two, um, we try to follow the the team that has the lead. And uh, I think we had a couple of other second, third plays. I think we went out and followed as well. But uh, we have the ability to know where some of these guys or most of these guys are. So our goal was to try to cover as much of the top 10 to 12 teams uh, actually on the water as we could just to just to see, you know, what was going to happen. You know, the, the key in a two day is um, who makes the adjustments on day two. Okay. Can can a team go out and do the same thing they did on day one and duplicate what they did, or do, what adjustments do they have to make? And that's 
that's what what I was really looking for. Um, I was able to follow the 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 uh, Godwin brothers who were leading after day one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I quickly realized what their pattern was. Uh, and these these fish on this lake were not they weren't really into a fall pattern yet. They were still into a lot of a summertime pattern, which a lot of these guys were chasing bait. There's a lot of bait throughout the lake, but it wasn't the bait was not relating to any kind of cover or structure. Okay. They were suspended roaming. They would be out in the middle of the river channel. And the bass would be out there after. Hmm. But there was so much bait that that you couldn't just fish bait balls and catch fish. You had to really spend time and figure out where the fish were around the bait balls. Because not all the areas that had bait had fish. And that's, you know, that's the key to what a lot of these guys had to do during practice is really kind of narrow it down. But, you know, the Goblin brothers who had to lead after day one, they were fishing a lot of a lot of places. Okay. Uh, we we had to we kept we would jump we would follow them we would they would stop we'd fin for a little while they would leave and and skip multiple locations, and I really thought as the more I the more I watched them I thought man this I, I like what they're doing here knowing knowing that the fishing is tough, um, I, I thought I thought the ability to kind of sit on a school for a short period of time and leave and then potentially coming back may help those fish not get as spooked. I, I did know that there were a few other teams that had small areas either up the river or in the lake that they were kind of almost camped out on and and kind of running around and chasing or whatever. But I, I was afraid that maybe sitting in an area too long mm-hmm. um, that the fish might get a little too conditioned to that. So as the day went on, we realized because uh, we got on another team that I that I that I filmed day one, and, and one of the other camera boats was on them, and I was I was still on the Godwin brothers, and I was seeing this dynamic and how it works, and the the team that was a little ways up the river, who kind of was in a in a certain area, fished both days, probably within a three hundred yard stretch. Okay, they started catching them. And now they were catching them day one, but they weren't catching big ones. And 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 when I saw them then, I knew they were a bit frustrated uh, because they they felt that in practice they could they thought they could catch 15, 16 pounds pretty easy. Okay. So they were a little frustrated. They only had uh, I think 10, 10.86 maybe day one, but um, we're on them you know middle of the day day two, and they've got them. I mean they've got over thirteen pounds, close to fourteen pounds is what we estimated, uh, and catching them catching them left and right. Um, the Godwin brothers, on the other hand, were kind of struggling a little bit. They caught a few fish. It was kind of a small limit. But we get off the water early. So by the time we – I say early, we film from like 6.30 till 11.30. So these guys still have, depending on what flight they're in, they've got two and a half, three, four, four and a half hours left to fish. So there's a lot of things that can happen when we come off the water. And a lot of the teams were telling us both days that, hey, in practice, our better fish came late in the day. So, you know, we kind of we kind of came off the water knowing it was going to be close, that uh, we knew some of the teams that did well day one were struggling. We knew some teams were doing well. We felt it was going to be close, but we we had no idea. So it kind of makes the way in pretty cool when when you you know it's going to be a close way in. And certainly that's what what happened. Uh um Josh Butch and Stephen McAvoy, uh the team that kind of stayed in one area up the river, they ended up winning the tournament, but they only won it by I think a quarter of a pound. Yep. Yep. And um, you know, I, I know the Goblin brothers had one fish because we were filming them. They had one fish that got off right at the boat. Um that they that they said would have given them 
that much of a call or more. Oh, wow. Um, so, but you know, that that's fishing. That's the way it goes. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's the complete deal. You got to find them. You got to catch, you got to get the bite and you got to get them in a boat. Uh, and then you got to keep them alive for weigh-ins. So there's a lot that goes into tournament fishing, uh, other than just you know, other than just finding the fish. But it was a great tournament, uh, great turnout, pays out a lot of money. This these guys don't pay an entry fee for this. You qualify for it. It's you know, there's no additional money you have to pay for it. And uh, I think the total payout is a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. But fifty thousand dollars for for first place team with incentives and, and bonuses they had it was uh, I think they ended up with fifty nine thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Oh wow! In total payout for those guys, um, and they were super excited. And 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 we see this in every time at every at every event, and it's it's really part of what makes Alabama Bass Trail what it is: the camaraderie amongst the anglers, the competitiveness. The fact that they know how good the other teams are that they're competing against. Uh, all the anglers were coming up congratulating these guys afterwards because they they know what they know what what how hard it is to win this tournament <laughs> and the kind of the kind of competition that, that they're up against. Um, you know, it, I think these guys would do it if there wasn't any money up. I, I think just for for the sheer fact of the competition level of this group, I, okay. not that they're going to want to turn down the money, but I. I think if she gave them the opportunity to fish this tournament, but wasn't giving out any money, I, I think a good majority of that field would still fish it. Now, I I, I know the the winners, uh, Josh uh, Josh Butts and Stephen McAvoy. I, I know of them only because they were the winners of the Gunnersville event last year when I came down. But um, but and not to take anything away from them, but uh, I, the the guys that finished second that led day one, and in your opinion. Because uh, I know that it seems like uh, a lot of people are somewhat surprised by the how good some of the, these two guys or these two brothers are. But because um, I, I don't know if they're still in high school, but if not, they're like maybe freshmen in, in college, maybe. But I know they're pretty young guys. But what is it, especially spending a, a day or so with them, uh, watching them in the world, what is it about these two, uh, these two guys, uh, young guys that, you know, uh, just has them to be so competitive i guess okay i think i said this in live coverage and, and they're not the only team there's a few other teams that that are fishing that are they're like that kind of they're like this but mm -hmm. they're young in age but they're not young in experience mm -hmm. and, and you would talk about time on the water all the time the key really is it's not just going out there and piddling on the water it's going mm -hmm. out there and, and really honing your craft really trying to understand you know fish movement um understanding different techniques um, th these guys have that kind of experience. They, they, they fish a lot of tournaments. Mm -hmm. They fish throughout the week. I, I mean, they, they fish probably from middle of the spring through most of the summer. They're probably fishing four tournaments a week. Easy. Oh, wow. Uh, and they win a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, so th they have a lot of, a lot of quality experience, I guess is how you could put it, but they don't fish like they don't fish typical for their age. I guess you, you could say. Sure. And they work really well. To, I mean, they're brothers. They work really well together as partners. Watching them fish, they both fished out of the front of the, off the front of the boat most of the day. They just seem to really communicate really well. Work together, you know, in a team environment that really that really makes a big difference. Uh, you know, we we see that week in and week out on on the Alabama Mass Trail that that the teams that work really well together um, they're really hard to beat. Mm -hmm. 
So besides that, you know, I know that I guess this past weekend, I'm going to you know, talk about this only because I got a very grainy video of it. But this past weekend or this past was yeah, like Friday, I believe it was you, you, you celebrated a birthday and, you know, I get this very grainy video and I couldn't tell. I, 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 I don't know if it's because, you know, it's the format of the text message or what, but I mean, so you guys are out. It looks like I'm assuming it was dinner, but judging by the time of uh, when I got that message and, um, you, they, you know you had a plate of something and you were eating it and i'm like well, what is it that you were eating and, and and so you you replied back that it was a fried moon pie yes it was a fried moon. <laughs> i i knew they were up to something we typically we typically go out to eat you know it's been two days we got we got that friday night we typically go out to eat as a group you know all of us that, that are working there and they already said they were going to take me out for my for my birthday i'm like okay you know it's, it's really look it's, it's just another day it's not that big of a deal of course the, yeah. you know i guess they they wanted a legitimate reason to have dinner but i i could tell they were up to something but i didn't know what it was going to be so I, okay I, i'm you know I, i'm you never know with cb what what you know what's gonna happen <laughs> sure so I, I, you know in my mind I, i'm eating my meal and i'm trying to prepare myself for anything but finally bring me this this uh fried moon pie and it's got some caramel drizzle over it a little chocolate and two scoops of ice cream i'm thinking okay that it's it's gonna have to be good right <laughs> there's no way it can't be good so of course you know cb just he just knew i was gonna enjoy it so that's that's why he pulled out the camera but, okay uh, and that was on his phone so that's why it was a little less quality than what you typically see out of him but uh yeah it, it was it was pretty good but I, and and I was good about it. I shared. I, I didn't. I didn't eat it all. I I could have and kind of wanted to, but I, I was. I took a few bites and then shared. So okay, everybody got to partake in it. Now I'm not the biggest, you know, moon pie aficionado. I, don't, I you know, but I guess what flavor moon pie was it? Uh, it was chocolate. I mean, okay. once it's once it's fried, it's. I, mean, I guess it's kind of all. It's kind of hard to tell, but I'm pretty sure it was chocolate. Okay. Uh, it was uh, good though I, I tell you I, I would have another one uh as like again going back to this quality i thought it was like a i knew it was like you know it looked like a, some type of a pastry type thing or whatever except the video was so grainy i was like is it a cinnamon bun or something i saw the two scoops of ice cream so i'm like i couldn't make out what that was but i just saw this kind of like brownie brown you know like type of a color and i'm like i, I, I think know, you, you would have you would have eaten <laughs> if you were there I don't know. I, for me, moon pies. I, I'm gonna get. I'll probably get a lot of grief about this, especially coming from our listener base. But like moon pies, I can only do like one, and then like it's it's, know, it's, it's well, once it's fried and and got chocolate <laughs> and caramel drizzled over. It, nothing about it resembles a moon pie. <laughs> All right, at that point, I, especially knowing what CB might be up to, I, I, I wouldn't know if I would even trust. Uh, if it is something that's edible, and you know, it could be a bigger, you know, an actual prank and not something that was. Oh, come on. You know, you know, CB's <laughs> not going to do that to you. And you never know. I'm not saying that CB's evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, you know, you know, we, we take our jabs at CB, you know, CB is eventually going to, you know, want to at least, you know, get, get some payback at least. So I figured that might be something that might be in store for me. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, you know, it, he gets the final edit to this. His his payback maybe that this never makes it makes it on air. So it, it might. <laughs> you and I may just be having this conversation amongst the two of us, and no one else will ever hear it. And it never exists after to uh, after the uh, after I hit the the stop record button. But but yeah. So uh, but yeah, definitely. You know, 
good, you know, good jobs on that. I tried to tune it here and there, and uh, Saturday was a bit harder, obviously, only because it's, uh, you know, with me, it's with things are getting a bit colder. So trying to wrap up as much stuff that I need to before the the cold really sets in, because we got some unseasonably warm weather that kind of came in. Stuff that you probably would have appreciated more if, uh, during the week that you were up up north in our in my neck of the woods up here. That uh, some weather that you probably could have at least uh, you might have still. Knowing you, you might have to have worn like a long sleeve. But at least it was like you know, you know, t-shirt weather, even for uh, an Alabama guy on uh, this past weekend. So, but yeah, so I was trying to get all that stuff up, up as much as I can. But I try to tune in here, tune into the uh, Bassmaster Opens coverage as well. So just in and out, back and forth. But yeah, yeah, I know you guys did a pretty good job uh, bouncing um, again with that. I know there was some what was it? A lot of stuff the CB has been trying to implement this year. So and trying to wrap up, uh, you know, trying to wrap your guys' head about trying to uh, make uh, the life stuff a lot better. He's, he's done a really good job with it. Uh, and it's, they're long days. I mean, we were there at Bocek about 3.30 in the morning. And day two, uh, we didn't leave the ramp. By the time we got everything kind of wrapped up, it was – I think it was after six before we left the ramp. So, And then you guys they're, go they're, home. They're long days. Drive home from there. So, And what, from Jordan to uh... – where home is for you was that about four hours uh, or so? We're in, in North Alabama, it was right at three hours. Even that, even that's a pretty after a long day or let alone two long days, that's a that could be a pretty rough ride. Even though three is not too bad. So, yep. but yeah, definitely yep. glad that you guys made it home. You got to enjoy Moon Pie and uh, one one more one more event uh, crossed off the list for 2022 with one more remaining for you guys. So yeah, that's it. So, but like I mentioned earlier, we, uh, you know, uh, I did pay, uh, get a chance to watch a little bit of the Bassmaster Central Opens coverage. And on this week's episode, we have the winner of that event, Mr. Keith Combs. He'll be joining us to talk about the, his win there and his approach and how things went. So uh, again, we will come right back here. We'll pay some bills uh, from our, with, with uh, some stuff from our sponsors and come back with the chat from Mr. Keith Combs. Jason, what would you say your biggest fear is when you're out fishing? Hmm, Chris, um, let me see. Probably stranded out in the middle of the lake? That's right. You know, that's everybody's biggest fear, Jason, not being able to get back to the ramp, especially in time for weigh-in during tournaments. But one thing that's really made the biggest difference for me, and that's switching to lithium batteries, and not just any lithium batteries, but rely on lithium batteries. Oh, Chris, how do you like those? Jason, they're great. Let me tell you, they allow me to spend more time on the water and are essential when it comes to starting and running my boat. They give me short charge times and more usable capacity so I don't have any late day voltage sags. Plus they're stupid lightweight compared to lead acid and they're practically maintenance free. Really allows me to focus on my fishing instead of worrying about getting back to the ramp. Okay, okay. You talked me into it. Where can I get some Relyon batteries? Jason, you can visit relyonbattery.com slash anglerschannel and use our special promo code code anglers channel for 10% off your purchase Did i mentioned they also offer fast and free shipping you didn't but even better so hey what are you waiting for get hooked on rely on lithium today with so many exclusive designs and processes no other boat is built like ranger it's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features more performance and the best value the ranger fisherman series from bow to stern this is results-based engineering at its best. 
Still building legends one at a time. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. Welcome back, folks, to this segment of the English Channel Insider Podcast brought to you by Striking and Lose, product made for winners. And joining us this week is the final uh, Opens and the Central Opens winner on Sam Rayburn, Mr. Keith Combs. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, well, I'm up in Wisconsin. It's, it was actually pretty warm this past few, uh, was a weekend, but it's been it's it's getting back to normal. Unlike what what you are probably experiencing down there in Texas. Yeah, we've had a we've had a pretty warm fall so far. Uh, we we did get some uh, cool weather coming in last night, and that's much welcomed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure now the fishing's kind of done, and with that cool weather, I'm pretty sure the because uh, I believe you're a hunter, so I'm pretty sure the 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 deer is starting to, uh, to creep up on your mind there. Absolutely, yeah. Every every day, I actually when I'm out out there fishing in the open, I'm thinking <laughs> about deer hunting. But uh, no, it's uh, cooler weather definitely makes me get want to get in the woods. Before we go there, I guess you know we'll, we'll recap what happened uh, and kind of go over what happened this past week on on Sam Rayburn. Um, but before we get uh, uh, into the details on Sam Rayburn, just out of curiosity for me, because I know it's so, some guys they have their own reason behind it. But uh, what was your purpose in fishing the opens this year? Was it just to kind of help you uh, keep being dialed in with fishing? Was it a backup for fishing the classic or some other reason? Well, it was just a schedule that really set up, uh, you know, good for me. We had uh, Ross Barnett, um, which is only about four and a half hours from my house. The Red River is only two hours away. And then Raver, you know, right in my backyard. So I looked at that schedule and I said, well, that's, a, you know, just another good opportunity to go maybe win a tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, it, when, when they're close like that, it makes sense for me to, to, to fish them. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed fishing this year. So what was it? So this year, well, with this event here, I don't know, like people always, uh, you know, associate you, you know, anytime uh, there's fishing in Texas, uh, Keith Combs has to be on top of the list and, you know, let alone uh, with it being on Sam Rayburn. So did, did you do a lot of uh, preparation for this particular event uh, prior to official practice? Yes, I, I, I did a lot more than I usually will do just because it was such an important tournament, you know, with, with the classic berth uh, on the line. I spent about um, six days out there, uh, spent a good amount of time graphing and a good amount of time. Well, one of the reasons that I spent a lot of time was really just navigation. I mean, uh, especially in the upper end of Rayburn right now, the lake's six foot low. So a lot of the runs and things like that that are normally not a problem, well, there there's a lot of stumps in those lanes. So I had to take my time and uh, kind of relearn some areas that I hadn't been to in a while under these, um, you know, drought conditions. Did you, I mean, you talked about navigation, but did you 
check any spots or just make or was it just you know just using electronics or did you actually try to set you know set the hook and try to figure out if some spots held up or if fish were in those areas at all yeah i i, I really had to do I, I had to do a lot of preparation really a lot of the experience that i have on raver um it when Rayburn is six foot low, I mean, it's some lakes that may not be a big deal, but Rayburn is relatively flat uh, and six foot changes that the bite dramatically. So, I mean, I had basic patterns in mind, but as far as like having spots, um, my past experience really didn't come into play at all. So besides the water being low, were there any other factors, whether, whether it's weather or some other stuff that kind of um, help you formulate that game plan going into uh, day one? Well, the, the uh, it, it was really hard to develop a, a really solid game plan. The bite was tough and the fish were very scattered and you could catch fish different ways. And uh, that, that really was my game plan to have several different patterns working because I didn't feel like one pattern could, could produce enough to win that thing and 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 that was probably what really helped me the most really kind of being open to fishing three or four different ways and multiple depths and just really basically junk fishing so with me and not having uh much if not any knowledge of uh fishing down south especially on rayburn like was your approach kind of a typical fall rayburn approach for keith combs or was it you know, again, you know, you kind of went open-minded in some ways, or was it some some of the stuff? Because it seems like some of the tactics you used were stuff that uh, I definitely affiliate with Keith Combs, but was it, again, uh, Keith Combs Rayburn fall patterns, or was it uh, just trying to be, you know, find out what, you know, I guess, fishing the moment in some way? It was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I have I have a, a few things that I like to do, you know, like throw, that, throw the big crankbait out there uh, to try to catch a big bite. And I did work that in, and I caught several key fish doing that. Uh, actually, my biggest fish of the tournament came doing that on the second day. But um, really, I, I realized that that if I if I worked that pattern all day, I wasn't most likely I would not be able to catch a limit of fish. So I had to do things that like that you typically wouldn't have to do on Rayburn this time of year. Because the lake usually fishes pretty good in October. Uh, for instance, last time we had the open here, I was able to stay out, deep crank all day, and not worry about catching five fish. And you know, I was I was catching around twenty pounds a day or over twenty pounds a day. This time around, you know, catching twenty pounds was very difficult, and it was it, what it meant to me is I I had to have several patterns. I needed to be able to go out there and target a big fish. But I also needed to be able to slow down and, you know, fish for a limit and also have a, several different game plans, like going up and fishing even shallow grass at some some points of the day. So I guess what, what was your pattern going into after practice, uh, final day of practice? What was the, uh, the game plan going to day one? Well, I had one area that I felt like it is an area that I've caught some big fish in. And when I practiced it, it, it seemed like it had a lot of, of keepers. Uh, so I was hoping to go back in there and catch a couple quality fish and get my day started, uh, and, and box a limit. And, uh, it, it, it just didn't work like I thought it would. After that, I was just kind of running around. I had a long day the first day, 
and I was checking, you know, a lot of historically good areas and it was, man, it was just really tough. And I ended up going up on some real shallow, um, points to catch, catch what I caught that day. And after the first day, I said, man, I gotta, ha- I'm going to have to do some different, you know, something different for day two. Um, day two, I got off to a really slow start, didn't catch really any, any of my weight until around midday. Um, and then I had a slow period and right at the end of the day, I made a couple calls and then on the, the last day I, I pretty much reversed my, um, my milk run of areas and I started out, you know, catching them really fast and boxed it about 16 pounds in the first hour. And, and that kind of set the tone for the day for me. So on day one, what was, uh, what was it, uh, I guess your primary pattern were you, cause I know you, you talked about the big uh, crankbait. Was that your, your primary deal was the crankbait or did you, uh, fish more vertical with the jigs? I, I believe, I think I saw something about the structure jig was part of your arsenal as well. Yes, it was. There was actually five, really five baits that I caught fish on. Um, you know, I caught them. I caught them on a five XD. I caught them on a six XD. Uh, I caught fish on a thunder crickets. Um, I caught some good fish on the Zeus worm and also okay. on the structured jig. Does, did, did color come in, uh, come into play too? Looking at some of the the pictures of some of the lures, was uh, was color a big factor at all for you this time of year? Well, I mean, when I deep crank, I, I like that. I like that bright chartreuse and blue. I use that. But other than that, I, I you know, I, when I was shallow, I tried to imitate shad. Um, and then the water was a little bit stained this year, so on my worm, I went with, uh, you know, darker, darker colors. And on my on my structure gear, I went with darker colors. But uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't say it. It was. Uh, it just really wasn't like okay you can just go raver is not fishing right now like normally where you can just say i'm going to go throw this color and i'm going to throw this bait all day you have to mix it up okay so i know day one for uh you finished up in 18th with 14 four um sitting you know i guess pretty good uh uh, placement wise, but weight wise, um, were you surprised that fourteen four kept you somewhat in the hunt still? No, no. I, I mean, I, I really felt uh, after practice that fifteen pounds a day was definitely going to make a top ten. Um, it, it's hard to predict winning weights on that lake because you know somebody could get on an area and they could they could blow it away. Um, but I, I I knew based on practice that. 16 pounds a day was, was going to be very close to the lead. So uh, my target was just catch that 15 to se- average 15 to 17 a day. And, and I was going to take my chances with that. So I guess, you know, I guess you were pretty much on the dot there. Cause even on day two, you caught, you know, 15, six, which was within that range there, uh, which bumped you up to seven. So that, which made a day three cut. So, um, did that put you at ease a bit with making the day three cut? Because I know that, um, this is your final chance of making the classic next year on Knoxville. So did, did that put you at ease or before they finally announced that, or did you not think that 15, six was good enough for you to, to make, um, to make the day three? I wasn't sure that it would be, I mean, I thought all I could catch. Um, and I thought it was going to be either just in like 10th place, or maybe it would be 
11th or 12th place, maybe just out. I wasn't really comfortable with that weight uh, going in, and uh, there was, but there were several guys who really caught them, um, you know, good on the first day. They just totally, their bite went away, and they only caught one or two fish, and and that was kind of the theme of the whole. Very few people were consistent um, on their areas. You know, they would kind of maybe burn their area on day one, and then there would be nothing left for them on day two. So, um, you know, I wasn't. No, I wasn't comfortable with with 15, but luckily it was enough to get me in. And then you know, the third day was, was probably conditionally the the toughest day of the the whole week. The wind was blowing up to 30 miles an hour that day. Day three, I know you finished 1611, and you mentioned having a good flurry. And I saw a little bit of the action on FS1. Um, I know because uh, I, I know I, I believe you didn't know at that time, but I believe you had taken the uh, the unofficial lead. But did you think that uh, being about six pounds back uh, from first place after day two, that um, what with what you were catching, that you still had a good shot of of taking the W, or did you just you know was you just trying to uh, just at that point you know just being about six pounds back, just trying to uh, climb as many places as possible. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't think 1611 would be enough to win. Um, so I, I mean, going in, going into the, the, the way in, I, I had no idea that I was even close to winning. I figured I could move up to the top three with what I had, but, um, you know, I really figured, um, uh, Logan Latuso had had that monster day on day two, uh, and and Kenta had uh, maybe a three or four pound lead on me. I, I just felt like one of those two would have a fifteen or sixteen pound day between the two of them, or maybe somebody else in the top five would have a sixteen or seventeen pound day, and it just. Um, but it was tough. I mean, it just didn't it didn't happen, and man, I'm just lucky that uh, lucky that nobody caught him. You know, you know, Keith, fishing a place like Sam Rayburn, uh, uh, you know, a lake that can produce big sacks at any time, uh, but you're in a difficult time of year. And we did see the big sack second day. Um, tell me a little bit how you prepare for that mentally going in, because it, it does look, I mean, obviously you were the most consistent angler throughout the tournament. And we see lots of times that consistency is what comes out on top in a majority of these tournaments. So kind of tell us a little bit mentally how you prepared yourself each day for that, knowing that there were guys that could potentially get on these monster bags, but, but it would be hard to do that more than one day. Well, I guess really the the main thing, as far as my preparation for that was, I, I realized that like, you know, like you say, Raber can throw out a monster bag at any time you get on the right place at the right time. You can catch 30 pounds. Um, and, and that's what I tried to set myself up to do. I spent probably four probably average around four days or four hours a day in the tournament fishing for those kind of fish. But I also had some shallow fish that I could catch on a thunder cricket. And I could, I knew that I could catch them quick. Um, so that really helped me, you know, it helped me stay out there. Like the second day I fished all morning long to catch and I finally caught six pounder and that was a key fish, but, I knew that I had to go fill out a limit and I had those thunder cricket fish. So that's, that's probably what was, you know, saved me. Um, because if you were all in on the deep bite, I just, I, I don't think you could, you could win it this week. You had to have a, 
a couple different things and and really those shallow fish they were they were probably having knowing that i had those what kept me in the in the game so it still came down to really managing your time and making sure you didn't get too stuck in one, one pattern or the other you gave yourself a chance uh but didn't get too bogged down in one one particular thing yeah i i, I was you know like i of any tournament that I've ever won, I've probably won it with maybe two or three max free rods on deck, sometimes just one. And, uh, this time I, I had, uh, gosh, I mean, I had four different crankbaits, different, different type, types of crankbaits tied on. I had, um, two different kinds of worms. I had three different types of structure jigs tied on thunder cricket. I mean, I had um, sexy dogs that I threw during this tournament. A swim jig. I mean, I had a variety of stuff, and I just, I just junk fished my way through it. Well, since we're kind of on that topic, and you, you know, you've thrown out all, all the different lures you were using. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it means to you to be a part of the Strike King Pro Team. Obviously, Strike King is very well known in the industry. They have a really broad range of products. They keep increasing that every year. So, you know, as an angler that fishes full time. What does it mean to you to have that that arsenal available to you? Well, that it's very important um, because you know I can I, I don't think that there's a lot of lure companies where the pro staff can say, well, I use mostly all of my sponsor products because they they just don't have the variety that Striking does. You know, Striking has a great line of soft plastics. They have a great line of jigs. They have a great line of crankbaits. Um, so they, they, they got you covered. And the cool thing about them is, um, they're, they're constantly making new stuff too, you know, and just like in this tournament, you know, I caught fish on, on new products. I caught them on the Zeus worm. I caught, um, several key fish and I'm convinced that that just a smaller profile of that tungsten thunder creek was getting me bites because I wasn't fishing areas all to myself. But I really scaled that size of that bait down, and I'm, I'm sure that that's why I was getting more bites in those uh, hard hit areas. So, I mean, they're they're constantly innovating and tweaking what they got. They got great product already, but it's always getting better. Yes. Uh, to, speaking of tactics, too, I kind of want to look at the electronics side. I know that. Nowadays, it's all about uh, forward-facing sonar, but um, did that type of stuff come into play or, you know, or were you just relying more on mapping and 2D sonar? But yeah, uh, tell us about uh, how electronics came into play for this win. I would say of all the electronics I have on my boat, side imaging, hummingbird side imaging was probably the key for me in finding, um, you know, I found a couple little isolated um, hard bottom areas that helped me that definitely helped me to get the win. Um, and that side imaging is so strong that I, I, I think with other products, you, you wouldn't have saw that. Um, I did use some forward sonar, uh, in this one. I didn't use it to catch any fish, but, uh, to, to line up on specific targets, like isolated stumps and brush piles and things like that. It just makes it so much more efficient. I can see them and make my cast uh, perfectly on the first row. And that's, you know, that just means more more good cast by the end of the day. But, you know, 
the uh, Hummingbird Electronics are there's never a tournament that goes by that they're not they're not a big player for me. Well, Keith, you know, obviously getting getting this open win is is uh, you know a testament to your angling skills. These those tournaments are not easy to win, um, and, but it also gets you in the classic. So let, let's kind of roll into next year. Tell tell us your thoughts of now that you've made the classic. You know, actually fishing in the classic, you probably hadn't hadn't had much time to to think about that yet. But then also the the schedule coming up for next year. Yeah, we we have a really good schedule. Um, it's some some places uh, really I guess Lay Lake is the only one that, that's on the schedule that, I, that I've never fished so I'll need to do some pre-practicing just to see it I, I realize it's not a very big lake so but I want to see it but there's some places that I've been to but it's been a long time and you know they've changed a lot like Okeechobee and Murray um, Seminole uh, it's an interesting schedule we got some of the old standbys like Champlain and St. Lawrence, Sabine River that we've been to a million times, but some of those places uh, like Okeechobee, I'm sure it's totally different than anything I've seen. But all in all, I mean, I, I think it's a well-rounded schedule. I think it sets up good for, for me. Uh, it's one I'll definitely need to do my homework and do some pre-practicing on. But um, the classic in Knoxville, that's I, I uh, had quite a few tournaments. Um, some FLWs and one elite series there two years ago. And uh, I, I like the way that place sets up in that pre-spawn phase. You know, other times of the year, I, I didn't really care for that particular stretch of river. But during the pre-spawn, I think especially if we could get the right weather, you know, if we get extremely cold conditions, I think that could be a very tough event. But um you know, if we get any kind of warm up with that water temperatures, at least in the in the fifties, uh, we should catch them really good there. That would make an exciting tournament for sure. Yes, it, it, it's going to be an exciting one. That that's that's probably a classic where the lead will change every single day, uh, and, and it's going to be tight because it's you know it's not the kind of place where somebody's going to go out there and catch twenty three pounds or twenty four pounds probably you know it's going to be the guy who can hang around that 16 17 pound range maybe have one of those 20 pound days so uh, yeah it's, it'll be a nail biter right down to the end which is what a classic should be it'll be another one that'll be key to be consistent all three days yes because it's one that you could definitely take yourself out of it too because you know most there'll probably be a lot of 11 to 13 pound bags and if you catch a, a nine or 10 pound bag it's going to be very hard to uh to boost yourself back up there you know it's not like you're going to be able to go out there and hit 25 pounds and get back in it so consistency and then just you know being able to generate maybe one big bite a day um will be key and probably largemouth and smallmouth do what it takes to win it it will be interesting to see you know that that's always kind of kind of the the dynamic when you fish uh, in places like that is, do, will one kind of override the other? And that may really come down to weather more than anything. Yeah, it it, it, it will probably, and, and water clarity, you know, if, if it's real muddy and it maybe puts some of the smallmouth up closer to the bank, well, that may really shine. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, you know. the uh, No doubt about it, it's probably at least during practice or maybe even the tournament. Um, uh, hopefully not, but hey, 
the classic, so who cares? Besides the classic, uh, uh, I know you fished uh, the Centrals this year, but any opens on the tentative schedule for 2023 as well, or will that be decided at a, uh, at a later date? No, I, I don't think uh, I, I need a, I need to put my schedule on paper, but looking at kind of sizing the open schedule up versus the elite schedule, uh, it, it didn't for next season. It didn't look like it would work out too well for me. Um, there is one on Toledo Bend. I would I wouldn't mind seeing if I could get into that one, but it's, you know it's very tough to get into just one. Um, but um, most likely I'll probably. I'll be open for next year, just kind of carry on the, the Toyota series that comes um, to Rayburn twice and Dardanelle once. And if anything, I'll probably try to get involved in that just to have a couple here at home to uh, look forward to. Any more Rayburn tournaments or anything else for the rest of this year before you get up into the deer stand? No, I, I'm I'm done. Um, I'll probably spend some time out there, probably fishing, doing things like that next year. Because while I was scouting, I was seeing tons of crap setting up, and I mean, I can't let that, I can't let them slide. So, me and my wife maybe will go out and do some crappie fishing and have family and things like that. But uh, I think I'm probably done competing for for this season. Okay. All right. Well. And congratulations on the win. Uh, and, you know, I, I see that, you know, you also had a strong finish on the Elite Series. So hopefully that that momentum rolls into 2023. But definitely congratulations and uh, be safe out there uh, on the deer stand. And hopefully good luck next year. And hopefully uh, uh, you have another stellar year on the Elite Series next year. Well, I'm so looking forward to it. And, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. There you have it. That's the... Final Opens winner of 2022, Mr. Keith Combs. Uh, Kenneth, I mean, I know, like like I kind of said in the interview there, Keith, especially when it comes to East Texas, it's like kind of like one of the guys in your, uh, who was a winner down in your guys' neck of the woods, a, a, certain, uh, a certain brother who uh, dominates on uh, Smith Lake there. Is, is there many anglers like Keith Combs or, you know, or, or, or one of the uh, okay, what's his name now? Smith Lake. Uh, what is it? Wiggins. Wiggins. I don't know why I, I, I the, the the Smith thing kind of just created up. But uh, there are certain anglers that, that that come to mind besides like you know uh, you know the, the Wiggins brothers and Smith and uh, Keith Combs and Rayburn. That you know, are there any other anglers like that where you're like, man, if if, if this guy's fishing today, uh, I guess the only one I can think of is maybe Christie and Grand Lake. But any other anglers like that when you know that he's in the field that that, you know, you might almost be better off just pulling up the boat onto the trailer and going back home. Well, you know, sometimes it makes it harder. You get, you get too much, too much local information in your head and you try to, you try to do too much. So it comes down to the angler that can actually um, really kind of dial in the pattern and still free, still fish freely throughout the day. But, uh, you know, I, I think with the conditions, though, I, I don't think this I don't think you could call this, you know, a local win for him. I, I think the lake is so different right now that and, and he kind of alluded to it. He spent a lot of time preparing for it. I think he had to almost look at it as in a totally different light and kind of go to Rayburn as though it's a completely different lake and, you know, learn it all over again. And that's that's what it took for him to uh, to develop enough of a pattern to uh, to be successful. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. It, it definitely sounded like he treated this event, even though it's on Rayburn, a lake that he's very familiar with that. He treated it as if it was like his first time or it's been a, you know, quite some time that he's been on there and, and treated with uh, without using too much previous knowledge. So I was definitely surprised when, when he started sharing some of that information. Yeah, I, you know, as a local, I think sometimes that, that can actually benefit you as long as as long as you can deal with it correctly mentally. And he, he's obviously got enough experience that, that he understands that and, and he, he got it done. All right. And with that, we'll uh, pay some bills here and we'll come back and wrap up the final portion of the show. So stay tuned. I feel like ISO Chill definitely allows me to stay on the water longer. When you talk about 14 hour days of practice on the water, that's a long time. And most people are gonna come up with an excuse to get off. And I don't feel like I get that same fatigue and a lot of that benefit comes from what I'm wearing. Sun protection, breathability, comfort, ISO Chill, honestly, it just helps me be more competitive and stay on the water longer. Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop, convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, and lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmanswarehouse.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse. Shop one of over 60 locations. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. Welcome back to this final segment of the English Channel Insider Podcast, uh, the news and notes section of the show. Uh, this week, um, I know we've been a bit bad. <laughs> this is the final month or of the year for you pickums, and uh, I don't have many results this week. A lot of the uh, the a lot of the tournaments from last week's uh, or this past week's um, email. Uh, a lot of the organizations don't have the results up. So we'll kind of hold that. Hopefully next week we'll have our final uh, scores to purport to you guys because there's still one more week uh, of the uh, you pickings for October. Uh, you will have uh, per CB. Uh, let me see. Here. I think he said you have until midnight on Thursday. So uh, which is the 27th to get. Well, I don't know if that's wait midnight on Thursday or midnight on Wednesday, but you have until midnight, either Wednesday or Thursday, to get your picks in for the final U Pickums of 2022. But if you do check the U Pickums uh, page on the English Channel website, uh, uh, again, these are official, unofficial, or unofficial, unofficial uh, uh, scores. But we did uh, CB does have a winner for September. Uh, that person is Thomas Hins. So congratulations on being the September winner for the fully loaded uh, tobacco-free chew. Uh, you pick them's winner for that month. But um, 
as of right now, as a recording, again, without factor, and I'm not sure if this factors in the, if CB got some of the results that I don't have, but uh, top three for October so far are Warren Beard. Uh, looks like Warren had two guesses uh, on the dot, but he's got four points. Uh, Billy Gunter has four points as well. Marty Boyle has four points, and John Petrea have four points. So it's still pretty close. There's a whole bunch of people with threes and twos. So it's still anybody's game with this last week going in. And per against CB, which I don't know how accurate this is, but leading the uh, our group here is Kenneth with four points. CB and I are both tied with three, and Michelle Eichstead is not too far behind with two points. But I don't know, based on what you're telling me, KG, it seems like um, we might have to ask for a recount or uh, or something to make sure that um, the winner, the correct winner, gets the trophy. Well, I, you know, I, I think the order's correct. I'm not, I mean, you know, it may be a little closer than it should be, but I think the order's at least correct. Okay. But even but with the points, I'm like, man, it must have we must have really been now. Well, this would be a week, just a two, no, yeah, two weeks, if not maybe three weeks, if, if it includes this past weekend's results. But I'm like, man, that it's been a pretty tough, <laughs> you know, looking at the, the scoreboard the CB had. It looks like we a lot of us were over and, and didn't get many points. That's why, and, and especially in the on the AC side, it's a pretty close race so far. It's a cold race everywhere. I mean, like you like you stated, um, you know, we got the four guys at four points, um, several at three, several at two. So yeah. it's going to come down to the last week for sure. So yeah. uh, CB does have the new the new uh, options up now. I think it was a little late getting them up, but they're there now. Uh, yeah. And like you said, you've got until midnight Thursday to to get these locked in. So don't miss out and as close as these are you may want to go ahead and get it done pretty quick because the tiebreaker will come down to whoever submitted the earliest yeah but definitely uh get the, get those entries in because like i said this is this will be the last you pickings for 2022 uh obviously uh not not many tournaments happening between now and the end of the year nothing that's if there aren't any but uh, probably not enough for ours, us to really have a uh, a lot of a lot of pick from when it comes to you pick them. So uh, definitely get in on the last one for the rest of this year. But then what so, do you think? So it's a chance to have the bragging rights for multiple months, right? Because you're you're the champ yeah. until someone beats you. In our group, but then again, you know, the one month I won it, I never got to trophy. So even if, even if me CB or maybe me Michelle, because CB is a bit more accessible to you. So if CB does overtake you in the end. He he has a higher probability of getting that trophy. But but yeah, maybe for you, <laughs> I, I, I'd probably send it to you before I would him. <laughs> we'll see. If he, if he wins, I might just send it to you anyway. <laughs> I don't know. He, knowing him, he'll probably he has a whole bunch of them uh, just waiting to be sent out. Anyways, that uh, he'll probably just you know uh, get get a new plaque, a uh, new inscription on it, and, and put his name on it instead. So yeah. But we'll move on to the news and notes section of this week's uh, show. And I, I don't know. To me, I don't know if I'm missing much, but there's a few big. Um, a few big things, I guess, to somewhat uh, wrap up the, the bass fishing tournament side here. But the first one that I've got here, and I don't know if you were paying attention because I didn't even know much about this until I got the uh, 
press release for it, but the uh, Bassmaster panel, they overturned the uh, Bass Kayak Pickwick winner's disqualification uh, after being after going in front of a three-person panel. Um, what was it? Drew Gregory, the winner of the uh, Pickwick event, which was not too long ago. I think it was like a week or two ago, but the, uh, Drew Gregory, the winner of that event, uh, I guess he was DQ'd for I think something along with like where he was navigating. Uh, let me see here. See, initial protests alleged that the area where Gregory fished during the event fell outside of legal tournament waters. The 2022 Pickwick Lake competitor information sheet and brief, uh, briefing stated only water accessible from the main body of Pickwick Lake will be considered accessible. But I guess based on video that he provided in, uh, I guess uh, after sitting in front of the panel, looking more, at more evidence and information they overturned that disqualification but i don't know if that even happened though because I, I know normally we get those type of um what was it uh press release press releases but then maybe it's because they probably didn't want to publish something on something that probably wasn't final so yeah, yeah. When, when i first saw that i thought wait a minute i I, thought, I mean i knew he won i never heard i didn't hear anything otherwise so mm-hmm. it it, it it surprised me a little bit to see the article. It, it took me a minute to realize what, what was going on. Yeah, especially with, uh, I, I don't know, like, on the kayaks, a bit, you know, for a lot of us, kayaks a bit, the, the tournament side of it's a little bit different because uh, it's catch, photo, and and release versus uh, most typical um, bass format, which is, you know, catch, hold, weigh, and then release at the end. Right. But, uh, but then again, I know that, you know, as we talked about, well, as you recently seen with the the walleye guys with cheating, you know it, that doesn't escape the the kayak side because I know even a few years ago there was um, what was it? Uh, I remember something about like the I don't know if it was a uh, which organization it was, but it was like um, again these are photo, but the guy that was cheating in the in the kayak event was cutting he cut a tail off of a bass and then he covered the hand of that section and so it made it look like the, the bass was longer than. But it actually right. was with was right. with the additional tails, so we know because, that and, because they don't weigh their fish, they go by yeah. how long the fish is. So yeah, you're, you're you're basically keeping track of your fish by by the inches, and total yeah. inches is what wins. Yeah. And, and this scenario, and reading reading that article, this is one I had not thought about. But uh, you know, apparently their their other concern is making sure the anglers are are on a body of water; they're not out of bounds uh, mm-hmm. because. Uh, pretty sure all or at least most of these kayak tournaments uh they can actually move their kayak they can put it in multiple places yep so uh but it's good to see that they at least went through um you know and and double checked and made sure that everything was you know was how it should be and uh my understanding is is he did he did give provide proof and show that that he could get to where he was going without you know leaving the lake or whatever whatever it took to do that but uh, yeah, it's good to see that they actually went through the process of, of, of verifying that it was legit. Yeah, and the winner of that event, you know, he, he won, if I, if I read it correctly, he won three events this year, and he was the inaugural uh, angle of the year for the uh, Bass Kayak side there. So right. um, I guess it wouldn't look good. I, 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 don't, I don't know if he would have been DQ'd, how much, if that, if that would have affected his final AOI standings, but it wouldn't have looked good if... Um, whether it feels true or not uh, to have the AOI person also have a, uh, a big asterisk that's the name with a, a DQ there. So, but yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure that a point system would be set up to where there's no way someone could win AOI with you know with, with the DQ basically not being able to get points out of an event. It's not yeah. we're not it's not a lot of events anyway. So yeah, yeah, that would have made a, a major difference. But you know, it's it's good. You know, it's good that and and the guy. I mean, he didn't cheat. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. It's just yeah. I'm. It is good to see that everybody you know cooperated and worked through the process to make sure that that everything you know was how it should be. Yeah going on the other i know the other big news uh as of our recording i I knew that it was starting to pick up a lot of steam especially on our site because uh i was checking our uh social stuff maybe uh earlier in the day but um we talked about before i'm not sure uh in, in at least at least in text and everything too but uh i know a few weeks ago mlf had uh released um a poll to the like, I don't know, again, I don't know if this came in uh, waiting or how much this played into this decision, but MLF announced a scoring change for the 2023 uh, Bass Pro Tour. So before it was every scoreable bass counts, whereas now it's going to be your um, five heaviest fish still catch weight and uh, and re- immediate release, but uh, five heaviest uh, fish per day. That's the big one of the big changes. And I think the other one is it's cumulative weight through, let's see here, top 20 from each group, uh, from each group based on the two day heaviest cumulative weight of five bass per day while advance a knockout round. I don't. And then the, the knockout round and the championship round will be cumulative. Yeah. They will not, they will not go back to zero again for the championship round. Yeah. So that's a, the other, I guess, it's a all format change, but. Um, so those are the changes, I guess you could say, to the BPT. But uh, thoughts, KG? Um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's a move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got, I got several other things I kind of wish they would do different. But mm-hmm. I guess as long as we're moving towards the right direction, I guess I should be happy with that. Yeah. Um, um, it, I think it will change the philosophy of how these guys approach their day. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing the reason why they, they wanted to, uh, Oh, the other thing, I don't, you, you may have said this, I, I may have just missed it, but you also don't automatically qualify for the championship round. If you win mm. uh, you, I, your first, your first two days. Um, so, but I, I think what's going to happen is uh, I think you're going to see a lot of these guys actually still compete throughout majority of the day where a mm-hmm. lot of these tournaments we've seen a lot of these guys especially get up to a big lead on day two they kind of kind of hold off which day two they may still do that it's just the difference is the lead won't be that great it'll be something that could be overcome easier as long uh, as you're yeah as long as everyone as long as you're i guess in a quality bag if you've got a yes. quality bag then it's you're still in contention i guess you could say instead right. of yeah exactly and if you're and if you're a little ways out of it, you you know you may only have four fish, a pretty decent weight. One one more good fish can make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it I think it will keep more people in it. Um, now I think the reason why they're they're going to count both the knockout round and championship round is kind of the same thing. Uh, you, you, it it should entice these guys to really keep fishing hard during the knockout round. Yeah. And, and being a five fish deal, you know. You, you're not necessarily just looking for any bite, maybe towards the the, the later half of, of that knockout round. 
if you've got decent weight and you're in good shape, you know, you're, you're looking for, it, it'll just be interesting to see how the patterns may change or how they may target it. I, I think from the feedback I've heard from the guys that actually fish, and my understanding is this ended up being a vote of the anglers. The anglers are the ones that, that, that made this decision. Okay. But I, I think it boils down to, it's really more of a format that's similar to how most of us fish tournaments. Yep. So, you know, we're used to having to make the decisions on the water of, of, of what to do and how to do it. And watching those guys sit on a big school and just keep catching two pounders that for the rest of us wouldn't do us any good. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, if you can only count your five best, there's no reason to sit there and keep catching two pounders in a school you have to to change what you're doing. You have to you have to alter your pattern. You have to whatever it is you have to do. You have to do something different in order to try to upgrade your your limit. And and I think that this will kind of put these guys in a in a similar situation. And, and you know, as an angler, that's I think that's why majority of the people watch you know the live coverage in the TV shows. They're trying to find ways to maybe make them a better angler. What yeah. what what can we learn? If these are the best anglers in the world, what can we learn from them to, you know, to, to make ourselves better? Um, so I, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the proof will be what happens as we go on. Um, you know, they keep, it looks like they're at least trying to make some attempts to, to make some changes and, and do whatever, but uh, so we'll see. I, I know earlier when I, uh, after I posted this on, on social, I know I saw, I got, I think I didn't get a chance to go back and relook at more recent comments, but I know saw somewhere they were talking about like, um, you know, there, there, there goes life scope style fishing, you know, I guess basically guys that are, you know, again, um, catching schools of fish and uh, using forward facing sonar to do that. Do you think that, cause you mentioned, uh, fishing style change or at least approach to it. Do you think that, um, for people that, you know, that for guys that are able to catch numbers, especially relying on forward facing sonar, do you think that this particular format change will significantly impact the way how they approach it, especially when it comes to using technology? I, I think you'll still see that, that it's not going to make that go away, yeah. but you know, you mentioned Smith like earlier, I'm trying to remember, um, you know, uh, Dustin Connell won that deal on the <laughs> last day. He sat by the dam and just sat there and just, it was a numbers deal to him. He caught more numbers than anyone. And they couldn't catch him because of that. But if I remember, there was – I don't remember who it was, but one of the anglers was up one of the rivers. and was They were catching largemouth. They weren't catching the numbers, but but the quality was much better. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's a scenario where I think a guy can't – that's an example of where a guy can't just sit there and catch 50 bass. Yeah. Because you just can't compete with 52 pounders. Yeah. You know – they may start that way, but then they're they're going to leave them. They have to make make the adjustments, and that, and that's that's kind of what I, what I'm saying. It, it's it should resemble more of what those of us that fish typical five fish tournaments would go through in a day. So, yeah. well, and especially um, I, I, without you know, I'm not, obviously neither one of us are biologists that you know or that do the research on this because you know especially one of the big things, especially when BBT first came out was with this whole you know fish care thing and so obviously um yeah you know they catch them and they let them go for the most part somewhat immediately but again you're still putting unnecessary stress on um 
what was it on just catching multiple fish or catching a lot of fish. So uh, going to this well, format might. Yeah. And I've mentioned that before, you know, they, they, they preach this format as, as conservation efforts, but then I, but I think, I think that format can also kind of work against you um, in the fact of, and you're, you're, te- you're not, you're not harming or killing the fish in, but, but I do think when you sit on a big school and you just keep catching one after after another, and you may even do that multiple days, I, I do think it, it does, it has to affect those fish. They, 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 I think they scatter, they, they get away from, from where they're at. And then maybe, you know, they may have to go find new schools of bait, you know, whatever. You're still altering a large number of fish in some way. Yeah. So to, to, to me, that is, that could also be a conservation concern as well. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that it's five fish instead of all fish counts. Um, it, it will, it will be interesting to see how they handle it on TV. Yeah. Because, it looks like historically their coverage is they just want to show fish catches. Yeah. Um, I know for, I know for me, I, I don't watch any of this coverage necessarily for fish catches and, and, and I, and I'm, I might be in the minority in this, but I'm, I'm at the point where I really, I really think it's the mental side of this that makes the sure. biggest difference in most of these guys. That's what I'm most interested in. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in having a camera in, Jolie's boat and, mm-hmm. and hearing his thought process of why he's doing what he's doing. When it's time to make a change, why are you making a change? What are the adjustments you're making? The the ups and downs, the 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 demons in your head and how you handle them. That that's that's what I try to look for, uh, you know, in coverage of these tournaments. So I'm hoping that maybe we'll get a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. I think it may lend lend more to having those opportunities. Uh, instead of them just worrying about trying to shift the coverage so much to where they're 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 filming every little fish that's caught, so yeah. hopefully they'll it'll kind of give these anglers a little more of, of an opportunity to explain their patterns, explain their thought processes, um, because I I think that's one of the biggest things we can learn from them. Yeah, and, and I know I may have talked about this before, but but then again, one thing that I think, especially for I guess guys that are interested that in, in fishing and staying on the MLF side and making it to the Bass Pro Tour is that format adjustment from, you know, before it's your, your typical five fish, but this, and the only difference was then versus what this new format is, is just that you, you had to keep the fish alive and then bring them into an actual scale to right. be weighed. But then um, there's that. So then for the guys that are coming in brand new on the Bass Pro Tour, that these, there's, very little in terms of adjustment in terms of format because it's you still keep catching your oh, it's still your best five but then you know i again i don't know if 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 guys necessarily approach it that much more different whether it was every score roll bass versus best five but i think at least with that format uh, of every score roll bass guys there's that you kind of almost for the most part eliminate that adjustment for some guys which could be a big a big adjustment depending i guess how you approach things mentally yeah, I don't think there's any doubt these guys had to change their approach. And I, I think, you know, you look at what Dustin Connell did towards the end of the year, and it was obvious to me that he he made some major adjustments, and that that's how he was able to do what he's what he did. He yeah he relied on forward facing sonar. He relied on large schools of fish. Uh, it was a numbers deal to him, and he really he really got once he figured that out. I mean, he was 
he was really doing well. And, and you know, Jacob Wheeler had times yep. where he was doing that. Uh, yep. Michael Neal um, was doing that as well. Now, the thing about Michael Neal is he was also dominating on the <laughs> on the pro circuit. So yep. it it seemed like it didn't matter what the format was with Michael Neal. He could just kind of he could figure out what to do. Yeah, uh, which makes him a really dangerous angler. But um, but yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, the, the difference it's going to make throughout the field. Now, we talked about, you mentioned there with like guys benefiting from the, the, the every scoreboard format. Um, and I guess I'll put a bit more blunt, you know, uh, some guys underneath that particular format just stunk. Guys that did really well uh, when they were uh, on the elite series, fishing the traditional five bass uh, format. Guys that did really great or had, you know, made a career winning uh, with that format. Uh kind of more or less stunk it up with the ever scoreable bass uh, format. Do you think that some of those guys uh, may have a resurgence in some way, or maybe do a lot better with this uh, newer format come 2023? I, I think so. And I, I think what happens is, uh, especially if you're an older angler, I think you mm-hmm. kind of get, whether you realize it or not, I think you kind of get set in your ways. Um, and and you, you, it makes it hard to make, adjustments to change the format and I, yeah. I think that's i think we were seeing some of the younger guys maybe maybe making that adjustment quicker mm-hmm. or easier than some of the older guys yeah you know you, you know you take someone like ot defoe who really when this deal started he was really strong and competitive and and was very consistent and he's starting to kind of fall off it may kind of makes you wonder if, if if maybe um that has a little something to do with it as well um yeah I mean, you never know. I mean, it's it's tough. It's really tough to be competitive year after year on the, doing that. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many factors. The travel you got, you know, family things come into it. There's all kinds of things that can affect. And if you're not completely 100 percent on your game, you know, it's you're you're not. It's it's hard to be competitive at that level. That those yeah. the the guys that can really focus and put everything else out and just it's all about fishing. Um, you know, those are the those are the guys that have a better chance of being competitive day in day out. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to. I mean, I know we may, people may think that we may have, or at least when CBs here, there might be a semi, a little bit more anti MLF type stuff. But I definitely am looking forward to this change. Um, the only thing I could suggest, and again, maybe it's asking too much. I, think I should just be grateful for what they did with this format. But I, don't know, I just think that they should. Uh, six days of tv coverage and i'm gonna get a lot of flag for it but uh six days of coverage might be a little too long i guess if you're someone who (laughs) don't care for you know i guess with their because they don't always do like a thursday through tuesday thing the days always change sometimes you could catch certain days of uh, coverage but i just think that six days is a little bit long so they should just um cut that down a bit and i think you know again they have only 80 guys fishing so just have everybody on the water at once instead of uh uh, what was that? Uh, two separate groups, but that's just me, though. So yeah, but that's kind of why I answered earlier. That at least it's a step in the right direction. I, you know, <laughs> I, I still, I still don't like the fact that the that the field is split up, and you've got guys, a, a group of guys, one days one and three, and a different group days two and four. I, I want to see them all compete, you know, yeah. consecutive days and and together. I don't like the split group deal. That's just a that's just a personal preference. It's just yep. just the way I am. Um, you know, I do think maybe six days does get a little old. I mean, if, if you're if you're really trying to follow this stuff and you're trying to follow it from day one after six days of it, it kind of it can get a little monotonous. 
I mean, unless I'm not saying I'm not ate up with fishing uh, or even watching it, but I don't know. Like, if you just look at one whole year, you know, seven, six, seven, eight events of it. Uh, I mean, how, honestly, how how many? I mean, I granted, I know sometimes we, we're not going to be able to sit there through seven, eight hours of coverage each day. But I mean, how many days are you truly able to somewhat right. tune in and out? So, right. yeah. But, you know, they, they have the numbers. They they know what that viewership is. You yep. know, they, they're able to calculate that every time. So, you know, it, it, we're just two guys uh, amongst a whole bunch. So they'll figure that out based on what they need to do uh, based on their their uh, their business plan. So, like I said, they, they'll, they're able to get the numbers. So they'll do whatever they need to do to to make that work for themselves. I'm pretty sure people are already letting us know via social channels, but if you want to share with us um, your thoughts about this new format change, uh, the hotline is, hopefully I got this right, 256-535-3217, or you could definitely send an, uh, an email to cbrown at angleschannel.com. <laughs> Or you can send them to me too, dxiong at englishchannel.com. And uh, we definitely want to hear what you guys think about that, whether it's good, bad, or what you like or don't like. I mean, again, everyone's got their own preferences. We're not saying that Bass's format is the 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 right format necessarily. There's I don't know, some people that can have uh, their opinions about that. But just let us know if you if you want to share what you uh, what you think of with this new changes in the BPT format, definitely shoot us up again. That number is 256-535-3217 or definitely shoot us an email. Um, I don't know. Did I miss anything else, KG, with news and notes? I don't think I missed. I, I, I don't know. It, I don't, it gets kind of. Uh, I'm still trying to recoup from my past weekend, but I I think you've hit the highlights. Um Oh yeah, that's right. I guess I don't know if, uh, how much time you want to spend on this, but um, after this past, you know, after Keith Combs won this uh, this final opens event of the season, official. Now, I don't know if they if they you have to wait for official confirmation acceptance, but I guess all the in, elite series invites from the opens went out. Uh, looks like from the central side. Bradley Holman and let's see, let me, let me actually pull it up the right way here. Centrals, I think it went up to Bradley Holman, Kyle Norsetter, and Logan Latuso. So those three got the invites from the Central Open side. Uh, and I guess it, it goes this way. So it's it's the division, and then the final invites went out to the overall. So uh yes. the Southerns uh number uh I guess the winner of the of the Southern Opens AOI race was Brian New. Since he qualified, well, he's a current Elite Series angler. The next qualification spot went to Brian Smith. Um, now, Cooper, yeah, Cooper Gallant uh, was the second person in, and then Joey Sefuentes uh, rounds out your third person from the Northern Open. I mean, from the Southern Opens. Northern Opens was sold a while back ago with Alex Weatherall. Kyoyo Fujita and Keith Poche getting the invite from the Northerns, which uh, for the overall opens AOY, Keith Poche and Cooper uh, Cooper Gallant, those are the first two in AOY uh, rankings for overall opens, but they got their invites through the division side. So it looks like Cole Sands, David Gaston, Kenta Kimura, Elite Series Angler, was fifth. So the next and final invite went to John Sukup. That sounds accurate to me. So, again, like I don't know if they, they have to officially uh, accept the invitations for us to see if, if 
I don't know if they do a trickle down or if it's just if you decline, then it goes to the elite series side. But those are your 12 opens, elite series winners, or I guess invite uh, uh, those are the 12 guys that got invitations to fish the elite series for 2023. So, other than that, I think that might be all the news that we have for this week here as we wrap up this week's show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I no matter key uh, CB always asks us what we learned, but I, uh, I I don't have anything that stands out on, on my end. But I don't know if you have anything you want to share, uh, KG. But well, well I, I learned that you can handle doing the podcast on very short notice. <laughs> Not that great. I think I'm pretty sure K, uh, CB is like, well, you need a bit more practice, and and maybe you'll you'll become a lot better. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you handle it well. <laughs> I'm the one but, that didn't help you much. Uh, I, I definitely relied on you a lot more than I than what you think there, but um, but definitely uh, thanks for helping out with that. But I definitely I was hoping to. I know I, it's been a while. I've been really bad with the rookie podcast only because I kept getting no answers and rejections, and uh, it kind of fell off my um, what was it off my routine. So, but definitely we'll be we'll be is trying it, to get that going. <laughs> is it kind of like the NFL that once you've had a few a few games under your belt, you're not you're not really a rookie anymore. I mean, is it kind of like that? I mean, once you get about halfway through the season, are they still really rookies? Well, they're still classified as rookies because especially with uh, what I'm, I'm trying to give you an out and you're not taking it, David. I, I'm saying the, the only, well, the pro circuit, I don't think technically had a, a, a rookie technical rookie race. So I only had like the, a few guys on the elite series side. So I got most of those guys knocked out. Some of those guys never replied. And then, uh, yeah, a bunch of guys just never responded. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be the stalker girlfriend type person. Where I'm constantly emailing you or poking you. Hey, do you want to do my, my rookie podcast? But definitely that is still the goal for 2023. Uh, I was hoping to wrap it up, but we'll see. I don't know the person I was hoping to wrap up, uh, this, uh, current season's worth of rookies uh is out of the country it looks like so uh maybe that won't fly this year so maybe i'll just start waiting start off 2023 once a lot of these guys start accepting their uh, or, or 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 the invites become more official then i'll start uh getting that going but definitely um keep an eye out or in ear up for that you know it, it it could be that once that schedule once they started fishing their head started spinning so bad they didn't know if they were coming or going didn't, didn't <laughs> want to get on the didn't want to get on a question answer session with you Oh, no, I, you know, and I it's got to be a rigorous, a rigorous schedule for those guys. And, you know, <laughs> kind of eye opening. I, I know. So, you know, obviously, you know, some of those guys, it's, you know, besides, uh, you know, uh, for someone like, like, for instance, like a Maddie Wong or, and nothing against Maddie Wong, but we know Maddie Wong, um, nations big fans of, of Maddie Wong. We like you know, Maddie Wong a lot, but compared to a lot of the guys that he, he, uh, that he competed with uh, or even his fellow rookies, Definitely not uh, as much experience. I'm not saying that, in a, especially on a, on a national level. So right. I'm pretty sure it was like a lot of overload and whether it's logistics, um, besides the fishing stuff, other sponsor obligations, stuff like that. So uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of that stuff, uh, just, you know, no matter how much those guys want to become available or, you know. There, there is, there's a lot of extra potential distractions yep. that until you're there, you have no idea what they are. Yep. You can plan yeah, as you much have as to you kind of live it. Yes. Yeah. You have to live it to understand it. And and it'll be interesting to see how those guys handle going into year two uh, as opposed yeah. to year one. Yeah. I know there's going to be, uh, you know, uh, We'll see, like, you know, Keith Poche, he's returning. Bradley Holman's returning. So hopefully, definitely with Holman, because it's been a few years, because he, it's been about almost six, seven years or something like that since I think he's last competed, what, 
I want to say 08 or 09, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah, Maybe. I don't remember the year off the top of my head. You know, he went to FLW for a while and did that. So it's, yeah. it's been it's been a little while. And so I know he's been trying to uh it took him a while to eventually uh make it through the open side there. So uh but definitely uh, hopefully we'll, we can get him on um not not the rookie because technically he's not he's not a rookie, but even on the on the AC podcast to see uh to get his take. I know he's got his own videos and stuff like but even to kind of probe his mind a bit about um his journey through that and and uh what he's looking forward to with uh, the 2023 season. But, but yeah, you know, one, one of the things I'd be interested to hear from him and, 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 you know, Hallman's, you could almost say Hallman's a veteran. I mean, he's been, he's been at it a long time. He's seen, <laughs> yep. he's seen a lot. He's seen, seen the industry at, you know, when it's, when it's at its best, he's seen it go through some tough times. I would, I would kind of like to quiz him on, you know, what are the differences now as opposed to what they were and, Maybe going into the elite series for the second time, what what does it mean to him now? Yeah, you know what happened. You know, falling out of it and fighting to come back. What you know, what does that really mean to him? And, and what what's the difference and kind of you know his motivation behind it? Yeah, because I know he he was was he in it from the very beginning? Or oh, I know he was. I don't, I don't know if he finished it from the inaugural year of the uh, of the elite series uh, or not, but I know he was in it for the first couple of years of it. So um, I know nothing a lot has changed, but definitely different landscape. A lot of the guys that he probably I know for sure a lot of the guys that he fished with at that time are no longer uh, at uh, in the elite series. So right. definitely definitely interested to see what his take would be. So hopefully we can get him on uh, within the next few weeks here, especially as he prepares for the twenty twenty three season, but. Yeah, but definitely uh, shoot me for guys that, you know, tournament directors, uh, fall, winter 2023 schedules, definitely shoot them my way. I know I got one that I'll get to. I was a bit busy over the weekend, but shoot them my way, D-X-I-O-N-G at EnglishChannel.com. We will want to at least feature your events on our uh, calendar. Uh, and if not, it'll be on, uh, we definitely hopefully want to use them for our 2023 you pick them but definitely shoot them my way or if you have results you know even uh you know uh results for your local tournament you want us to share them on our website shoot them my way too i'll definitely get uh you know shoot us a you know and if it's a it doesn't have to be an article obviously a lot of you get smaller tournaments you shoot me the uh the standings and you know just a picture just so that we can see who won that event, shoot them, shoot them my way, and I'll make sure I'll, I'll get them up on our our results side as well. But so, so for the tournament directors that are out there, or or anglers that fish the tournament trails, it doesn't have to be the director. Anybody can send yeah. us those schedules. But for those guys that are out there that don't really understand what that is, if you go to the Anglers Channel uh, website, anglerschannel.com, you can actually search for tournaments. You can search by lake. You can search yeah. by state. There's a lot of different ways you can search. So we have a lot of people that go to the website that you know they may live in south carolina and that they, they don't know all the tournaments that are available they may have certain weekends they're looking for or certain lakes they are looking for they can go to the website and search anywhere they want to and find all the available tournaments for that time so if, if you've got tournaments in those areas and people are looking for events to fish it's an opportunity for you to gain anglers for your for your events um it's free of charge yep i mean it, it can't get any better than that all you have to do is send david an email and he handles it from there cb pays the bill to, for the internet but yeah you should my way we don't charge you anything extra for it but like like kg was saying especially for if you're uh uh you know obviously with the small tournament you're not going to have a, a story write up but if you're if you're uh we try our best to uh 
tag the lakes that are that, that the results are from. So even if you're like, you know what, I, I'm fishing a lake on Pickwick this week. What were let me go on the website and see what weights were being caught in the last week of October on Pickwick. You know, right. if you provide us with information, at least like, it might not give you patterns. It might not necessarily give you, uh, you know, techniques and stuff like that, but it'll at least give you a rough idea. Okay. Well, Hey, you know, it's taken about last year, 2021, 2020, uh, 20 pounds, uh, was taking events on Pickwick during late October, early November. So, uh, but yeah, if you want to share that information, definitely shoot it my way. We'll make sure that we, uh, put that out there. So worst case, it'll put your face, uh, and, 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 uh, what was it event and or um a league uh on a website but even yeah even that's this includes uh not just uh what was it circuits or not but even like uh charities and opens events too so shoot them yep. my way yeah yep. we cover a lot of the professional trails but it's it's the grassroots it's the smaller it's the it's the local it's the regional the statewide those those are the tournament trails that Hangers Channels really cut their teeth on over the years. The, the TV show, the Bass Wrap-Up show that they do, a lot of that coverage is from those, the charity events, uh, you know, the the, the state, statewide team tournaments or, yep. you know, things like that. That's really, I mean, that's kind of the bread and butter of Hangers Channel. Definitely. If you shoot them my way, I, I promise you it'll be up. So um, other than that, I know the weather is getting cold. So I know normally we, we haven't been saying this, but make sure that you know, as you bundle up, make sure that you have a your PFD on, you know, um, water gets cold, you know, uh, you know, I know for me, give it a month or so, it might be already iced up. But if you're still fishing during this time of year, make sure your PFD is buckled up. But be safe out on the water. Uh, I don't know, KG, I guess. I don't know how... <laughs> I'm not CB, so I can't hand this off the way CB does, but don't take it personal. Thanks for listening to this week's Anglers Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.